Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally. Voidware prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Hit Like a Girl podcast is a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. One thing I love about working with them is that they're mission-driven, which means that they're dedicated to featuring authoritative shows, hosts, and guests who take on the tough topics in healthcare with empathy, expertise, and a commitment to excellence. If you're looking for bingeable content related to the healthcare industry, they've got more than 8,000 episodes on demand waiting for you. From professional development, the patient voice, digital health, innovation and entrepreneurship, and of course, health IT, they've got you covered. So this is your official invitation to check them out at healthpodcastnetwork.com. Hey there, and welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. I'm Joy Rios, and today my guest is Lara Dodo, who's the Chief Growth and Operations Officer of Newtopia. Businesses are recognizing that they can't afford to manage employees' chronic diseases, so they're starting to adopt preventative telehealth strategies faster than insurers. And Lara tells us all about it. So let's get started. Thank you for joining me today, Laura. I'm really looking forward to spending some time with you and getting to know more about you and your organization. If you wouldn't mind, could you please take a moment to introduce yourself and your place within the healthcare IT ecosystem? Well, Joy, thank you so much for having me. So Laura Dodo, originally from South Africa, I'm Utopia's Chief Growth and Operating Officer. So that means I get to spend my days really figuring out how we're going to improve access to preventative health measures in the way of lifestyle intervention, uh, working with our various risk-bearing entities. And I'm sure we're going to dig into that topic in a lot of detail. Yes, absolutely. And I was wondering where your accent was from. So thank you for clarifying South Africa. And so where do you live now, if you don't mind, before we get into it? And can you tell me a little bit about your journey from there coming here? So home is in Toronto, Canada. I'm, I'm no stranger to commuting um, to the Con Airplane for work week to week um, when needed. The journey to North America began, oh my gosh, Joy, 23 years ago. It's embarrassing to think that far back. My husband and I got married and five days later, we immigrated. I would not recommend immigration as a honeymoon. Not a good idea. But as we came into North America, I began my career in professional services on consulting 
across IT, finance, and really all traditional kind of operational roles. And jump forward, give or take about you know, 10, 15 years and found my way to health, specifically digital healthcare in the US. But I've spent most of my working life uh, really commuting, as I said, but home is Canada, but commuting down to the US. Understood. So you are a road warrior, but like on steroids. <laughs> I'm in denial. I'll tell you that. My husband always says to me, you know, Laurie, you've traveled so much. In fact, when I had my third child, he literally confiscated my passport. And my bigger kids always tease me now about all my traveling. And I still to this day tell them, I've never had a travel job. The fact that you have to travel as part of um, the gig, I've tried to I suppose my guilty working mom syndrome has kicked in, right? That I don't have a travel job. I just sometimes have to take meetings that are out the country for a few days. <laughs> That's great. Well, can you tell me more about Newtopia and what your product or, and or service is? And I mean, everything that I know around it is around like changing habits. And that's a conversation I love to talk to with people. So on the habit side, you know, most of us have picked up, particularly through the pandemic, some kind of a habit that I'm um, simply put on the nudges that are coming in on the apps just aren't getting us to, to stop our, our ways, right? So taking that um, idea of needing more than an app to change our behaviors that lead to our health. I came to Utopia where I had my own personal health journey several years ago. I had issues with lung disease and was in a really poor spiral joy where I lost a lot of weight. I was being hospitalized with pneumonia literally every 10 to 12 weeks. It was a, it was not a great situation. I was at a place where I was immune to many antibiotics and was really concerned about what the pathway looked like for me, my family, and just really longevity. And it was through intervention, through lifestyle that it completely changed my, my own trajectory, family as well. And literally intervening with choices around nutrition, exercise, and well-being. And sleep was a biggie as well. So common sense things like you can't live on caffeine, candy bars, and no sleep, right? But those things sometimes need a health coach. So I've had this personal journey that when I had a call from a group, investors, to come and help Utopia, which at the time was a early stage uh, startup operation housed out of Canada, who was about to enter into the US market to scale up commercial populations for self-insured employers. It really, firstly, it was very left field. Uh, healthcare in Canada is very different to the US. But to be part of things that I'm passionate about, one, scaling teams and building teams, big passion, technology, big passion, healthcare, where it was all around the very personal journey I'd had about intervening with individuals who are at risk of a preventable chronic disease and all around daily choices, daily habits on nutrition, exercise, and well-being. So when that happened, Joy, it was literally to say, hold on a second, I get to do the business work I love. I get to build something that's going to impact real life, real health, real outcomes. And I get to rely on personal experience and just have something that's a good cause as well. So that was how I came to Utopia. Well, so can you share a little bit about if it, it wasn't technology that helped change your habits? What was it? Was it a talk with a doctor? Was it, I don't know, something, was, was there an aha moment or was it a series of events? Yeah, with, with hindsight, it was a series of things. I think a big piece, which I now know, you know, understanding Utopia's model is what's really about readiness to change. So if I go all the way back and I think of my own journey, it all started with going to my, you know, PCP with, you know, I, I need a prescription, right? And you get stuck in that cycle. And it got to a place where that's not working. Specialists got to that place, you know, you just keep tracking CT scans. But for me, the moment was where if I don't change something, the path is deteriorating. And really, it was actually intervention from a, um, a nutritionist to a new uh, family referral 
She said, it was a very basic thing. She made me sit down and track. Utopia does this. We work with this awareness modeling with our participants to figure out what stage of the readiness to change model they're at. But it was to sit down and journal these basic habits every day of what, you know, what time do you wake up? Um, what do you eat first, drink first, exercise, uh, what type of food, what, what are you shopping in the other house? Just really basic things. And I remember one meeting, Joy, where she read to me my, my journal. Firstly, I was a horrible candidate. I didn't want to trace all these habits from every day for a week. But when she started reading back just even one day, I, I remember thinking, should I laugh or cry? That's so obviously a problem, <laughs> right? That, you know, I think that was it. So the readiness to change piece was kind of the part of one, I had to change something. My children were little and um, I was sick. And the other piece of realizing this is ridiculous. I'm clearly caffeine, as I said, caffeine candy bars and three hours sleep a night is not a sustainable health plan. So I needed help. It was a human intervention of really being made, made to look in the mirror as to my choices and the consequence of choices that were completely changeable and really not that difficult to do once I understood them. You're reminding me of some habits that I had as a teenager when I just decided on a whim that I would become a vegetarian. And I was like, oh, I made a bet with myself. I'm going to be a vegetarian to see if I could do it for a week. And I ended up doing it for nine years. Like... (laughs) But I can't tell you that it was, it translated into me necessarily having healthy eating habits because I was not eating meat, but I was certainly eating a lot of candy. And I was like, oh, I can have this Snickers or this Reese's or whatever. And it's like in my diet, (laughs) but it was, but I like the idea of just being, you know, having that reflection of thinking of like, okay, how let's be a little bit more self-aware. As you're talking about the vegetarian component, because most of us would say, oh, that's great. Like, what a healthy choice, right? And, you know, not realizing, well, what's on the other side of that? And I remember when I was at my illest and was in healthily low weight, I remember people saying to me, wow, Laura, you look so good. You've like lost so much weight. And I remember thinking, I'm at my sickest and people are complimenting the wrong thing, right? And so it just was another lesson on health. And coming back to habits, that how we value health, right choices, um, right behaviors, and that extends to leadership as well, right? That topic can go anywhere. It's just interesting how we're so held to account by sometimes perspectives or opinions that already have no factual basis whatsoever. So it's, it was interesting pieces in just self-journeying as well. Yeah, totally. So how is the readiness check built into Newtopia? Is it something available for anybody? It is. So what happens is so we'll partner act um, with various risk-bearing entities. So um, assuming you've been given access to Newtopia either by your employer because your biometric screenings um, had out-of-range risk factors, or it could have been through your health plan because you were diagnosed with a chronic disease. So regardless of path of entry, when you opt to onboard or enroll with Utopia, there's a whole gamified journey that's going to ask you a whole bunch of fun questions um, that are going to assess your readiness to change or your motivation level. We also actually look into learning a bit about you socially. So I think we all know uh, we tend to listen sometimes more to folks who we get along with, where communication is simpler, uh, where we understand each other. So that component of personality is another very key part of the secret sauce at Utopia to personality match each participant with their own one-on-one health coach. We call them inspirators. The inspirator, hence the motivation, will partner with you your whole journey as you go through the pathway of figuring out what are the right choices daily around nutrition, exercise, and well-being. And those journeys are different for everyone because, well, we all have different things to work on. So that readiness to change model, the goal also is to see through the journey 
that you might start at one point where you're not quite action-based yet, but it's to become self-motivated because that's the other piece is for most of us, we can sustain enforcing, you know, I don't know, you know, quick caffeine for two weeks and we all see that it, we can do it. But if someone says quick caffeine forever, that's not always so easy. So right. the habit piece, it's tiny habits to, to kind of get locked in with that coach. Well, how do you match somebody with an inspirator? Because uh, is it like a personalized match where somebody's on the other side of like, okay, we're doing a, a personality check to kind of to do matchmaking or is it an algorithm or how does that happen? All of the above. It's literally match.com meets your inspirator to your lifestyle. So it's 18 questions. There is a proprietary algorithm and it's super simple, super easy. And all of our inspirators, when we hire them, would undergo the same algorithmic match. So that's also baked in then into our AI for scheduling. So again, all easy onboarding. You, we're learning about you. When you put the whole picture together, we're learning about everyone right from a personal profile. So all these social determinants of health, personality, goals, preferences. In fact, we also get to know you genetically. So the other component that is often a big talk topic for Newtopians is we're looking to understand your behavior genes. So why is it, as an example, that I want to eat three or four meals um, at Thanksgiving, right? And that would typically indicate the appetite gene. So we're looking into that too. Why do we have certain behaviors um, when we're stressed or when we're not feeling motivated? And so put all that information together, the algorithm will run through, match you up with your inspirator and set you up for an integrated first human-led uh, coaching experience supported by digital technology and all that you would expect in today's world of tech. I really love that. And so you're reminded, I, go, I started recently going to the gym, like I didn't just go like, oh, I'm not going to the gym. I'm going to go one or two days a week. I now go five days a week. And it's how I start every Monday through Friday. And, and it's a great way to start my day. And I like the, the gentleman who owned, you know, the, who owned the gym. There's three of them. But speaking about inspirators, like one of them is literally like a kind of B-list celebrity here in Mexico. And he used to like be a gladiator on one of those like survivor kind of shows. Another guy is just like in really good shape. And another guy used to be apparently like really obese and is now like regular size. So different, different I guess, models of people that you can engage with. And it's what you're hitting on for me is like, I recognize who I listen to more. Like in reflecting from myself, I'm like, okay, when somebody gives me, is trying to intervene with me, whether it's technique or something, and they're giving me some form of advice, my own personal response of whether I'm like, oh yes, I'm absolutely going to listen to what you say. Or just be like, you're just not hitting the mark with me on like one or two of the other. So I can totally appreciate there that the thought that is being put into that matchmaking because it really does make a difference. Oftentimes, who is telling you the message? It's huge. I love that because you're really describing relatability, right? So, can you see yourself in someone else? Do they understand you? Is there a story that you can aspire to? I have to just also compliment you. Five days a week—that's amazing. Particularly coming out of the pandemic, that's serious commitment. Like that's impressive stuff. So, you know, I'd love to dig into even like how did, you know, what was it for you? What was your readiness to change moment? Because that's probably a story there, but the relatability is key. But I, yeah, we want to hear about your readiness <laughs> for change moment. What was it? Well, I think I, I was, all I was doing really was I had a lot of isolation during the pandemic. So I was walking my dog a lot and I was doing like virtual yoga 
and and just doing kind of like self-motivated things to stay in shape. But then I realized I was like, I'm getting a little soft around the edges. And I also, my age and with it COVID, something clicked at some point that I realized like my health and me taking care of my health is now more important than ever. And I feel like such a sense of responsibility because I only get this one body and I, you know, it's going to be with me and I want to be able to like use it to its max capacity for as long as possible. And I guess when I was younger, not that it didn't really click. Like I enjoyed healthy activities for the sake of healthy activities, but now I'm incentivized to be strong and just stay as healthy as I can as long as possible. And the way my brain works, I just figured I got to build this into my daily life. Otherwise, if I try to make it hit or miss, it's not something that's going to stick. So I'm like, okay, we're doing this. <laughs> and yeah. So are you right on the mark? Right on. Are you, if, if the whole podcast thing doesn't work out, right? You, there's a spot for your utopia inspirating. It's, it's exactly that. It's, I'm, um, when you've walked the path yourself and have had that kind of awakening moment, it's super inspiring to share that story with others because it's, it's real. You've also tapped into two other ideas as you're going through. I'm talking about the pandemic and just realizing you actually have to take care of yourself and the stakes are really high if we don't. The world's awake. And, you know, CDC put out a new um, statistic a little while ago that BMI uh, greater than 25 is actually a crucial risk factor. And so I, if you go further back, let's say pre-pandemic, we always looked at uh, the BMI of 30 or greater or 28 or greater, really looking at that obesity point. But 25 is a serious risk factor. You know, when you think about that, there's a whole broader uh, population group who've now been, who firstly one, I think have realized by themselves, uh, things like age is a risk factor for sure, weight's a risk factor, obviously blood pressure, family history, there's a bunch of pieces, but throw in that lowered IBMI. And so we've definitely seen that those factors all concatenate together to see an influx of um, interesting utopia. And the other piece, when you spoke about the gym component, connection, that was a secret source piece I was thinking about there, it's connection, right? COVID's made us all realize as well, we actually need people, even if that people piece is not a tight relationship, but having someone who we can connect to in a meaningful way for five minutes, it can make the difference between a highly productive day filled of meaning or not. You've literally had every single reason why we see folks enrolling in Utopia and why our clients hire us to be able to help them reduce their population's risk factors and ultimately reduce cost of care. So you're like a live testimonial. <laughs> That's awesome. So if I understand correctly, you said that people get access to Newtopia through their employers or are there other ways? So our distribution model is B2B to either, so business to um, either again, that risk-bearing entity who would then um, fund it for either their employees, their members, or potentially their patients. And then through different communications that we'd partner with the, the um, respiring entity, we'd then reach out. So they'd be made aware of Utopia and they would opt in. And once they've entered our ecosystem, obviously we'll run the journey, engage them and partner with them on outcomes and sustained um, health. I love that. So it's not necessarily like somebody's like, hey, I have maybe 500 employees and we're trying to reduce the pre-diabetics or something like a, a certain disease state. It's just sort of a catch-all net. And then wherever each individual lands, you essentially get them the right program for them. 
Am I understanding that right? You can go that way or it could be narrow to your point on prediabetes. So if you zoom back out, it all comes back to every employer or every risk-bearing entity has, has a different priority or a different problem they're looking to solve. So some of our clients would share with us that they are specifically concerned around the rising uh, claims on obesity medication or rising uh, claims coming in or trained data on biometrics for blood pressure, right? So there are different uh, paths in. So depending on the client, we will work with them either to do one of two things, uh, very strategically and directly target uh, that risk cohort, whether it be uh, hypertension they're targeting or more broad-based uh, metabolic syndrome, which would include two or more out-of-range biometric risk factors. But then in other groups, it could be to your point, the whole population where our clients would say to us, we um, are prepared to invest in prevention where we understand one, let's keep healthy people healthy, two, that's lower risk factors of those who are at the cusp of the chronic disease, and that's to slow down the rate of progression for those who are diagnosed. And in that scenario, we understand as a client partner, two, there are only two questions that matter to our clients who are paying the bills. One, do their people, their employees or members, um, do they like us? Right? Can we even engage them? And two, does it work? So how do we measure outcomes? They've got to be objective and tie back to return on investment, uh, clinical uh, improvement or financial improvement. So if we are uh, extending utopia to a broader population, we would still stratify the population uh, with risk data once we've onboarded them to understand. Again, we gather a lot of information. What was their baseline health when they enrolled in Utopia from a physical health metric and mental health? We actually look at factors like mood, sleep, stress, and anxiety as well. And through the journey of habit change coaching, again, working on those daily choices on nutrition, exercise, and well-being, we're measuring what is the impact on the physical health and mental health and at the end of approximately a year, most folks stay with us for a year, we would report back to the client, which all goes back to value-based care. At the end of the day, everyone we know is we want to pay for real performance. Can you prove those two things? Are people like you? And it worked. So that, that's kind of the, the high-level summary. I love that. I love it that it's both, well, kind of like a happiness check-in and just a health check-in too. Like, And that the goal is for people to feel both better physically and mentally after their interactions with you over a period of time. That makes me happy. Exactly. In fact, what, you know, it makes us happy too. And we what have to make us even happier when we can see the data. But it's when we hear from the participants in their own words, right? What the experience has meant to them. And so the inspirators who we spoke about, our health coaches, they really are, um, they're the stars of the show, right? Because that's, again, it's that relationship and connection. But consistently, we, we do routine scoring on experience. They consistently score um, nine out of 10 and more on the experience. And through the pandemic specifically, two things we, we saw. One, when the world was essentially gaining weight and weight being a risk factor for chronic disease, Utopia, again, the actual status, I believe it was 42% of Americans gained about 29 pounds in 2020. It's a big number. Mm-hmm. Um, in Utopia, same period of time, 77% of our book of business lost weight. Right, which is quite a, quite exceptional. So that data was recently published at a conference. But in, in addition to us continuing to drive outcomes, what we were hearing from our participants were things like you've infected, you know, you've been able to impact and affect my emotional well-being. I haven't mm-hmm. felt so isolated. So that connection piece, the habits that I've learned have extended to my family. Right, I'm educating parents and grandchildren. Energy levels are better. Um, my quality of sleep is better. So, you know. 
outside of the objective things of, yes, we're going to improve A1C and yes, we'll hit kind of reduction on claims, but it's those real life impacts that are the most joyous to hear about. And when someone literally is saying, I could walk with my grandkids to the park and I haven't been able to do that in years or play a puzzle on the floor, like that's seriously emotional material to listen to. And, and that's really what it's about. I'll be impacting lives in a positive way. That's wonderful. So can you tell me, I've really been enjoying asking the next set of questions. So I'm, I'm curious to know your answers for both. But the first is, did you know what you wanted to do when you were 10 years old? And would 10-year-old Lara be surprised at where you are now and what you do for work? I think 10-year-old Lara knew what she wanted to do. I don't think 10-year-old Lara knew that she would become a 40-plus-year-old Lara with different ideas. Um, I, I wanted to be a lawyer. I so badly wanted to be a lawyer. And when we, so I actually started studying law and when I immigrated, it would have meant uh, re-educating from scratch. And that, that was tough. And so when my husband and I uh, moved, it really was uh, drop all personal aspirations and figure out how to pay the bills because we didn't know anybody when we moved. You know, our first year was literally sleeping on an air mattress in a, in a rental apartment. So the dreams of uh, law had to be put on ice and it was go find a role. And I, I was just fortunate enough to find my way to an incredible Fortune 500 consulting firm and was, you know, kind of built from there. So would have still loved a legal career, but sometimes life finds for you what you're supposed to do. And as I shared already, taking the best of business and you know, I've definitely tapped into my legal fascination. I'm certainly on topics like genetic compliance and contracting. So I've fed the legal monster in some way, but probably would look back and say, I've had way more fun. I've got to grow teams and leaders, uh, be you know, the only woman in the room for many years in male-dominated boardrooms. I, I've lived through being told I'm the diversity factor because I'm a female with a South African accent. So I think I've had way more fun joy than probably just having taken a legal route. I always tell my husband, yeah, I'll retire one day and go back to law school like well, in, my, in my 80s. <laughs> do you think 10-year-old you would be proud of the work you're doing? I do. hope so. I hope so. All right. Next one is picture yourself at 23 years old or somebody at the beginning of your career journey. And if you could tell that girl some form of advice that, you know, from what you know now versus what you knew then that would set her up for success, what would you tell her? I would tell her that waiting your turn isn't always the right decision to make. I, growing up in South Africa, I, manners and conduct were very important values and beauty in you growing up. And I remember my mom would always say, I'm the youngest of five girls, Lara, wait your turn. Your turn will come. That philosophy definitely showed up in my early career where I literally had a share lighthearted story. One very senior leader who said to me, and I was in a hurry, you know, moving through the ranks and got to a place where, you know, you kind of, there's a bit of a bottlenecking to the next level. And I was looking at maybe making an exit. And she said to me, no, Lara, like this role uh, where person X is, she's going to retire at some point. Um, please be patient. Basically, wait your turn. The funny part of it, that person X is still in that role. And that discussion was like 16 years ago. Right? <laughs> that I think I saw that story play out in many ways. That I think I've learned that particularly in large corporations, um, where in a good way, you're an asset to the company. Not everyone always is going to have your best interest at heart. They're going to have your best interest as part of an asset in their machinery at right. heart, right? right? Doesn't mean they aren't great leaders. So I think just putting that together, that listen, be guided, be coached, be humble, but also understand that sometimes you might have to take a risk move that may or may not work out, but you will grow. You will grow and it'll all be good. Sometimes waiting a turn is not the right thing. It might be polite, but it's not the right choice. 
I love that. I love that a lot. I just like the idea of like standing up for yourself, knowing your worth and making a point to say, no, 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 I, there's, there's more out there for me or there's more that I can do. And if that opportunity isn't here, let me go find somewhere where, where there is one. Right on. You're reminding me of something. And now Marco scratched this. <laughs> like, there's, you just hit on something and I'm like, oh, what was it? It was so good. It was so juicy. Anyway, sorry, we don't get to have it. It'll come back to you. Yeah. <laughs> Laura, it has been really nice to spend this time with you. If people want to work with you or if they want to follow you or engage with your organization, where would you point them? What would be the best method for them to get in touch? You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Lara Dodo, L-A-R-A, last name D-O-D-O. So LinkedIn or email me, uh, Dodo at utopia.com. Love networking, love chatting, and I'm always happy to honestly be lend a helping hand to anyone who is wanting to check career opportunity, brainstorm on crazy ideas of innovation, and just to, again, say hello to peers out there who are looking to grow a network. So please do reach out. Well, thank you again for spending this time with me. Thank you so much, Joy. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about us or this guest by going to our website or visiting us on any of the socials with the handle hit like a girl pod. Thanks again. See you soon. This episode is brought to you by Chirpy Bird Inc. CMS's merit-based incentive payment system or MIPS is super complex. And if clinicians ignore the program or perform poorly in it, it can result in a hit to their revenue and reputation. Chirpy Bird is proud to say that more than 95% of its clients are exceptional performers in MIPS, meaning they've maximized the score that directly translates into their Medicare reimbursement rate. Chirpy Bird offers their audit-proof services to practices of all sizes through an affordable monthly subscription that includes unlimited access to a regulatory expert who guides them in knowing what data to track, how to create workflows that make capturing that data easier, and ensures that they submit it all to CMS on time and performing at its best. Contact Chirpy Bird today or learn more at chirpybirdinc.com. That's chirpybirdinc.com.